0: This episode of Verbal Tap brought to you by NogiBJJGear.com. Use the promotional code of VerbalTap15 to get 15% off of your order. Do it. Hey, what's up, everybody? Yeah, that's right. We're not doing any intro. Because why would I waste my time to go find that file? I did find the file, but you know what I didn't do? Download it because that's what a true host does. They don't need pomp and circumstance. They just need their presence and their friends. We also want to give a big shout out to our friends over at Nogi BJJ Gear. Use the promotional code Grappling Hour. Nope, this one's Verbal Tap. Verbal Tap 15 to take 15% off of whatever you put in your carts. All right, let's get straight to it, everybody. This weekend was a massive UFC 2 54 card and as Kevin says fighting is definitely easier from outside of the cage especially when you are taking on Khabib Nurmagomedov here to join us once again to find out how he did and also give us some of his expert analysis I saw him tweeting a little bit but he saved some of that for the show and I hope that you guys watched him don't worry we've got an entirely different experience for you today one of our good friends Senor Dan Tom Dan how are you doing sir Ah, too kind, too kind. Great to be here. Pleasure as always. So what was your recap show? I know that you did it very quickly after it. You were able to process
1: everything. It was the middle of the day. What did you cover on your show, sir? Yeah, easier to stay sober in the daytime, right? No, I actually didn't mind the daytime show for a couple of reasons. Uh, But yeah, there there was a lot to process. Um, Mainly the, the retirement, I think, kind of was the emotional roller coaster. But from a technical level, which, you know, who will bring on can, you know, uh, speak to the techniques, you, you know, better than I can. But uh, it was, there was some fun stuff at play, whether we're talking about the feet or the floor, that is made Madoff versus Gaethje, the main, uh, the main event. Well, we'll get back to that in a second, but I think you alluded very nicely to our guest.
0: Uh, we're bringing him back on. You know, we love this kid. He's a good one. And, you know, in the time since we've seen him, he went to go win another tournament. Yeah. The grappling series. Maybe you heard of it. He went to go do that. We're glad to welcome him back to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Our good friend, Senor Keith. Kik- Whoa, Kikorian, what happened to your hair? What's going on there, kid? Uh, yeah, you got, you got rid of the hair there. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I did. Did you hear? Sorry. Did you hear me? No, no, you did not
0: say any words in, in at least one of my earpieces. So I'm putting in the second one right now. What made you cut, cut it all off?
2: off? Um, I don't know. I I'm kinda I was kinda getting sick of like having to brush it out of my eyes and stuff every five seconds. Um so I just figured I'd I don't know.
0: You mean kind of like when it was getting in your face during uh, the show last week and you actually had to blow it out of your face last week as well?
2: That wasn't what came to mind. That wasn't what did it, but pretty sure yeah, that's what uh, caused you.
0: I thought you, you were looking at me making fun of you for it. And you said, oh, that Mr. Sparza, he's right this time. Uh, I should probably get rid of it now. So that's what I think ended up doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, kudos to you with the grappling series, sir. Very proud of you. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about that experience because that was on the same day that I believe we were watching at least the uh, UFC
2: 254 card
0: happen in front of us.
2: Um. Yeah. Uh, it was cool. Um, it was in Spokane. Uh, I. Um, I man. I I had never. Uh, I had never like got off a plane and then competed, and then. Um, and then the next morning, I, like, flew out, and I, uh, I flew out in the morning, and then I got in, and then, like, two hours later, I competed again. <laughs> um, and I've like, never been so tired. Uh, I would never do that again. I think that was a really bad idea. Because <laughs> um, even even Saturday, I was so fucking tired. Um, just, like, I I've, I've, – yeah, and then Sunday morning, I don't, I don't think I've ever been that tired in <laughs> um, my whole life. Uh, you know, um, so I probably, probably was a little bit off a little more than I could chew by trying to sneak in a a second competition. Well, Um, here's the good news about
0: that. The people have no idea what's happened yet. So there are a lot of people who I'm sure will be tuning in to to watch.
2: I got choked out in like 20 seconds. (laughs) Um,
0: well, there are people who are going to be watching who will also be watching it released over this weekend. So they'll be watching that that's happening i'm sure because there was something that yes obviously did happen but they can wait to go see that one
2: i'm curious i lost i'm not, i don't i don't want to i don't want to give you like i don't want to act like i did anything other than that um i yeah i'm super embarrassed but uh but yeah it happened
0: it happened And you know Um, what, that's the nice part about it is that you get competitions and I'm pretty sure we're going to be seeing you back to action, you know, sooner than later. So of course, Keith, you've had an incredible run. You were doing incredible things. I have to ask though, were you excited to see the main event over at UFC 254?
2: Yeah, that that was sweet. I got in right in time to like, I got to the gym right in time to watch that. Um, And man that was like not at all how i expected it to go but it was really cool to see i, th- I think that's like uh yeah you know it doesn't maybe doesn't feel like as historical of a match um as it probably will will be looked at eventually because it was i mean man that was just like a complete shutout by khabib he he won every aspect of that fight um so that was just really cool to, to watch.
0: Dan, walk me through that dominant dominant performance by Khabib. How was he
1: able to pull it off? Uh, essentially just pressure, man. I mean, you know, that's kind of what makes his striking work, even though he's obviously like a grappling strong fighter, uh, just kind of watching him play off that pressure. And, you know, as far as the grappling goes, like after he got past that first layer, it wasn't too surprising to see that he was the better mat wrestler and, and grappler on the mat, so to speak. Uh, I just, you know, was amongst those that, you know, whether you're picking Gage or not, thought maybe that first layer was going to be a bit harder to to get through. Um, that being said, like Khabib did things that he usually doesn't do in his career, where he was actually hitting really fast reactive takedowns, which he usually uses the fence. And considering he came into this fight with like a broken toe and foot, like that's pretty crazy that like that's when he dusts off like clean reactionary level changing takedowns. I was super impressed by that.
0: I want to open this up to everybody here because I thought this was an important question to put to everybody and I'll get your thoughts on this, but did he really not choose to do an arm bar? Because that was the story that Daniel Cormier was putting out in their show with him and Errol Hawani. but I don't know if you look at that tape, it looked like he was pretty committed to try and get that arm bar in that first round. I'll start with our resident jujitsu expert, Keith Kikorian.
2: Um, did he really choose not to do an arm bar? So they mean, why didn't he go for an arm bar basically instead of the, uh... so
0: I guess maybe you didn't hear the story. Daniel Cormier went on the show that he has with Ariel Hawani and he Uh said that he actively decided Khabib not to do an arm bar because he knew he wouldn't tap and he didn't Uh, want to hurt Khabib
2: in front of his parents sorry sorry yeah um um yeah i mean it would only make sense i mean i think that like going going for the arm in the position that he had wouldn't like just as a grappler i think he just knew that wasn't the, the best idea um because like that just opens up guys to more escapes and we've seen him use this that combo that armbar triangle combo a lot um to kind of like bait the arm to get to turn in and then they turn into the triangle, uh, um, and I think that's what he was doing. I'm sure that he had, uh, I'm sure that he did hear Justin say he's not going to tap, and he didn't, you know, he he remembered that, and uh, and he probably so that's probably another reason why he went for the uh, the triangle, but um, yeah. Uh, I think that that's just something that he, he does like normally though, because I've seen him do that before, even in old Sambo matches. He he's pretty good at that. Um, so I think, I think, you know, I think there was a lot.
0: I'm going to kind of ask that of same question and, and modify it a little bit on over to Dan,
1: Dan, you buying this shit? I don't know if I'm buying like the way DC uh, said it. However, I don't think it'd be fair for me to dismiss that one. It's like, we've, seen guys like hold things long or like go the opposite way right so if there's an evil then there's got to be a good there's just got to be jacob sorry to quote from dust till dawn there but the point is like i i can't i'd be contradicting myself if i said no and, and to keith's point like yeah in early matches like uh, on the russian regionals he would do that too and you know i, I i'm sure you guys can both attest to like You know, when you know who you're going against and you know that that's going to be a pain in the butt, I don't want to, you know, uh, waste my energy on this if they're not going to tap. Let's go for something more high percentage. So I don't know if he was doing it to be kind or more so doing it to be efficient, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, uh, okay. Let me give you my thing. I'm not buying it. Here's why. I want to go ahead and put this on out here. It's a great story that's probably definitely not true. Here is my interpretation. I think the Khabib was going straight into the fire with Justin Gagey. The boxing doesn't always look beautiful with Khabib, but man, was he going in there to incite that violence and was taking some shots on the chin very nicely. The thing that told me that he was going to win the fight was when he got the takedown and he immediately started looking for that armbar. So when DC goes, oh man, he was switching that off because he didn't want to do that in front of his parents because we all know a triangle choke in which he is tapping furiously and proving he would tap. Yeah, putting to sleep, uh, you know, in front of your parents. That's a way more humane way of doing any sort of thing. So to me, when I saw that shit, I said, DC, first, you're lying about that. Second, you're also lying about him saying that he made that scale weight with no problem. And I'm like, DC, you have the least credibility when it ever comes to anybody on a scale ever. So it's a nice story that we can tell. But you know what's a better story? What Khabib did. And that speaks for itself. I don't think it needs any pomp. I don't think it needs any circumstance. I think it's just spectacular to witness what it is. So I guess that brings us to the next question,
1: which is, is Khabib Goat? Dan, this goes to you first, sir. Uh, You know, I'm not too big to die on any hills when it comes to these conversations. Lightweight Goat, I say he's hanging out right at the top of the mountain. Um, I don't blame you if if he's to say that he's hanging out right at the top of the mountain. Um, Although I have those like GSP above and I've admittedly not given guys like Anderson Silva fighting this weekend, uh, his proper due, but that opens up a whole nother conversation about how MMA fans can't appreciate the muscle cars because we're all obsessed with the new features and what this has. And it's not a fair conversation. And I use the auto analogy because that's what was uh, being used for the pound for pound uh, discussions. I know this is goat. Uh, before you know, any combat sports was. So I always got to throw that analogy in there. Um, I, I don't blame you for putting Khabib hanging out at the top of the mountain, but I'm not dying on
2: that hill. Keith, what are your thoughts? Is Khabib GOAT? Um, I mean, like, yeah, man, pound for pound skills wise, he's definitely like, could you imagine him going up against, you know, John Jones or anything if they were the same size? Yeah. Um, I think he's he's right up there, but like, I think you have to look at body of work and, um, you know, wins over Aikinta, Gaethje, um, even Connor who stylistically wasn't, you know, that, um, yeah, who himself was not a dominant champion. Um, you can't necessarily call him one of the greatest. Um, I don't think you say the same for John Jones. Um, or Yeah, you know, because, I mean, he fought a lot of legends later in their career, and then now he's fought a lot of, you know, uh, young contenders who... You know, um I don't think have as much credibility to their name. And I you know, but you know, you you, you could look at there's always I guess there's always arguments against anyone for the power for the uh the goat debate. Um Well So I, I don't think- know.
0: Funny you bring that up because why John Jones so salty? Because it seemed like right after this happened, there was a little bit of time where John Jones said, Hey, you know, for today, Khabib, I bequeath you the royalty of being the true pound for pounder, best of all time, aka the goat. And then, very quickly, almost as quickly as you could hit somebody with a car, took it back and said, No, actually, I'm uh, insulted that anybody would think of me, John Jones, as being the goat. Dan, can you make sense of anything that was happening there? Because I could not for the life of
1: me. Uh, I don't know if I can make sense of it. So I'll just kind of like quote tweet a tweet that I saw that described it perfectly, which was: "John Jones is the kid at the birthday party who gets sent home early for opening the birthday boy's presents. You know, uh, and that's what he wants to do. He wants to get in, you know in everybody else's presents and things like that." So that didn't make much sense to me. However, again, at the risk of being hypocritical, although, you know, if we're going to split hairs, I I can find a lot of reasons to discount, you know, Jones next to the GSPs or even the Khabibs as far as goat talk. Uh, But, you know, eh, not everybody's the greatest. It's not like, you know, it's not like, you know, Khabib's the greatest person either. You know, he might have been in a good mood. Maybe he was given, you know, double the going rate for pushups, you know, for homeless people that week. But, uh, you Uh, know, no, no, I'm just kidding. No, No, but nobody's perfect. So. Uh, Keith, on
0: your side though, did you see any of what John Jones was saying? And do you feel though, I, I know you alluded to a little bit of his history, but do you feel that he might have an actual stake to say that he is the best? And what he was saying was, it's insulting to his team that they wouldn't consider him, all the people that put in work into John Jones's career. That it's insulting to them that he's not put in that goat conversation as somebody who is an active and amazing competitor.
2: Would you feel the same way? Um. Yeah. I don't. I don't have Twitter, so I didn't see any of this. I had to kind of look at what like was reposted on Instagram and Reddit. Um. <clears throat> um. Man. Yeah. I don't. It's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to uh to like say. Uh, why I guess he would, he would, he would go back on on, or why he would be so like quick to give props. Um, and I mean, there's just too many arguments against giving him like the credit that he feels he deserves just because of the the positive, um, PED tests, the other drug tests that like you know, we don't really have to look at, but also we kind of want to. Um, and then just, um. And then just the like the body work, like I was talking about, you know, I, I really feel like um, while he has a lot of impressive wins, you know, the um, light heavyweight, I felt like he came at a time when, you know, all the the champions um, and all the contenders were, were older. And then now he's, you know, I feel like a lot of guys don't even join or we don't even a lot of bigger guys don't even start MMA. Um, because John Jones is the champion that that, like would have had promise to give him a run for his money. Um, so it's just a lot of younger contenders that don't have the skills or experience necessary to beat him. So, yeah. Dan is GSP in that goat conversation, and if
0: so, does he have a better argument than John Jones?
1: I, I believe he does, and you know, not because of the drug thing. Although I've cited that before, so I'm guilty. And, you know, it's just one of those things, like Keith was just saying, he competed in an era where that stuff was was really prevalent. And let's be honest, it's probably still very prevalent today at this point of USADA. People probably figured things out. And, you know, Keith comes from the jiu-jitsu realm. I'm not going to point any fingers, but, like, it, it, it's one of those things where it's like I, I'm not for it, I, I, I don't use. But even when I competed and even when I fought amateur, uh, I knew very well that I could very well be going against guys that are – on steroids, and that's fine. That's something I have to accept. I'm not saying that's right. It's just my weird martial artist mentality. So I, I can't hold it too much. I will say back to your question though. The reason why GSP um, does have an argument over Jones is I would say is because he did fight out of the weight class, although he did it late. He pick and chose his. He cherry picked his spot. Let's be very clear on that. Um, however, he ultimately did do that. Whereas Khabib, even though he missed weight a bunch of times, so technically he fought. Um, outside of the lightweight division, he never went up, which is fine. Uh, I, I would prefer a dominant champ who defends his belt, like a Jose Aldo in his prime. Uh, but the same with Jones; he's been super reluctant about it. And again, people don't give enough credit to the Fedors, uh, Anderson Silvas, or BJ Penns. But you know, outside of Fedor's management, I should say, you really didn't have to pull too much hair, you know, too too many teeth to get those guys to step up and fight and put it all on the line. And sadly, their records reflected it. But just my thoughts.
0: Fair enough. And I want to bring this up because uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, GSP is actually here. So here's an issue. I actually have a contract where I can't be on the screen when GSP is here at any given time. So I need for you guys to take over as host. Please be very kind to him. I know that he was on Ariel's show and he seems a little tired of talking to the media and he has to do us a solid. So I'm going to ask that you guys just be gentle with him. But I'm gonna give you guys the floor, so I'm gonna let you go ahead and bring GSP on, okay? Sure, right.
1: George, George, uh, George okay. AP, is that you?
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely looks like a skinnier, bubblier uh, yeah. version of
1: like he's like pre. I'm gonna go to the club in in you know Montreal, George. He's maybe <laughs> you know he's had that warm up yeah. drink before you get you get to the car the club where they overcharge you. Yeah, he's ready he- to go. Hey everybody,
0: it is me you, GSP. You're on the I, club, I hear, so we can You hear me?
1: Yes, George, yeah, we, we hear you.
0: you. Oh, very nice. It is a, a pleasure to for you to interview me. Uh, very much so. Uh, I want to ask you a question. Uh, why, Keith, did you not speak up for me, GSP, to be number one?
2: Uh slipped my mind. But good argument. Good argument for number one for sure.
0: All right, other guy over on the right-hand side of the screen. <laughs> what is your name? I do not know who you are.
1: Uh, my name is Dan George.
0: Uh, very nice, Dan George. Uh, that was my dad's name. <laughs> Dan George, original OG. Do you have question for GSP number one all time in your heart?
1: Yes, yes, George. Uh, I, I got to ask, the, the tighter your shorts were, did that make you fight better? Did that make you faster? What was the secret there?
0: Uh, Number one secret of that uh, was you were looking down there. So made you look in uh, that case, very effective for GSP. Why he's goat. Uh, Goat number one down there. Take that, Brian Ortega. GSP makes funny.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can see why you're popular with the models, George.
0: Oh, you have no idea. (laughs) GSP does not even put them on Instagram because... uh, I uh or, uh you know I get rid of them um, many a time I number one in bed as well. Uh, Keith Kakorian, do you have a question for me? Speak Black Belt to Black Belt.
2: Um. Uh. <laughs> no. Uh. Oh yeah. Um. If you uh. If you were to fight. Khabib. Um. What what would you what would your game plan be?
0: Oh, very good question, Kika If I were to fight uh, more different me, uh, you know, he wrestled so much, I would have gotten into a cave with uh, Dana Hair John, uh, and I would have uh, told him, "Man, hey, listen to me. If we beat this man, then I real super go. Uh, but I think it would have been to out wrestle fuck him. At least that's what I would say on paper." And then afterwards, I would look at him and I would go, just kidding, I punch you because uh, am I striking better than his? Yes, no?
1: <laughs> yeah, probably. I can't argue with him.
0: So uh, here's reason why I believe uh, your stupid producer bring me on. I had the best interpretation of what a GOAT is. I know, you wouldn't believe it from GSP, but I said there is Khabib, he is GOAT that day. Back in the day, B-Japan, he was GOAT that day. And what I didn't even have to say was, GSP, GOAT, because you all know that. So I don't have to do that. But John Jones, man, I love that he said he's only has four championships. It's like John Jones has four drug busts. <laughs> he has more drug busts than he does uh, championship. That's uh, impressive. GSP joke number three
1: you're like master splinter making the funnies over there
0: absolutely you know exactly where the reference comes from anyway here's a question we will take from fan it says if Anderson Silva continue fighting after sat do you think a fake with fedor is realistic uh glasses one what say you
1: I, I would I would hope not I don't know where that's gonna take place I imagine Japan because that's where all you know crazy things come together and Crazy combinations, and I'm I'm part Japanese, so no 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 shot there. Just saying. Sounds uh, very
0: racist to me. If you ask me. <laughs>
1: well, I apologize, George. I know you definitely respect the Japanese culture with the gi and headband. We that's why that's why we love you.
0: It's called cultural appropriation, and it is fine for me because uh, everybody likes me, so it doesn't matter what happened to me. Anyway. Uh, Gian, I hope you enjoy uh, your question and be answered by uh, the non-fighter on this one, but that's fine. You know, like, I could answer it myself, but I'm go at hosting too. Anyway, I'm going to go now. It has been fun talking with you both. And uh, just remind me who greatest of all time, guys?
1: GSP.
0: <laughs> all right, that was good enough for my ego. <laughs> bye, bye, Kika Korean and uh, Tom Dam. All right,
2: goodbye. All right, I'm back. How was uh, GSP, everybody?
1: Wow, we
2: caught him a in a mood. Noxious, and I uh, say he sounded like a total dork. <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> he, I think sounding from you, one dork to another, yes. I think that you must know one to call him one. But yeah, dude, he's, he's the greatest of all time, so I would watch your mouth. <sighs> to the best person here. And Keith, he's been on the show more than you have, though I do believe this might actually be your fifth appearance on the show, which puts you in the rare form of being a five-timer. All right, let's get that question out of here. It is time to get to some results. Over, under,
2: result. Keith, how do you think you did? I'm pretty sure I lost. I also asked you if I had lost earlier, and you told me yes, so I know that oh, I lost.
0: You did, and <laughs> I guess the question is, Dan, how bad do you think Keith might have potentially lost?
1: Yeah, that's the thing. I just found. I, I I know that I did good with my picks, but I couldn't remember what I picked here, and I didn't remember exactly what Keith picked. So that's actually news to me. Um, I'm guessing it was it was pretty competitive. I I don't think we were we were too off on too many picks, right? Couldn't have been that far off, right?
2: Oh um, um, no. That w- we were, we varied a few picks, but those are the ones that I think I lost. So, um, oh, and all the ones that we got the same, I'm pretty sure you got right. So, <laughs> yeah, here's
0: some bad news on that front, Dan. As much as you want to keep this a very nice and friendly spirited competition, um, you won, I think Keith got like three right, and then I just stopped counting. It might just actually have been two, and then you got the rest. Because I looked at how badly you trounced him and I said, I don't think I need to count anymore. This is oh, just man. okay.
2: Well, all right, you still still count. I mean, geez, still make sure, but oh
0: no, I, I definitely counted enough times to say this is a pretty secure thing. You know, after almost the third fight, I'm pretty sure Dan Tom might have had bag secured status. So- <laughs> I just felt bad because I knew that you would want me to keep track. And then I said, actually, I think it would be like telling someone you got your name wrong in the SAT if I revealed the actual score. So I'm doing you a solid here, Keith. <laughs> okay. I guess the question is,
2: Keith, what do you have to do as a result of losing over under without Kevin? Uh, I'm going to do the, I'm going to eat 20 tacos. Tony Jack and Buck tacos. Sorry. Okay. So I'll do that. Um, is there, there, there are fights this weekend, there, there, there are, are, fights. I know there are, but, um, uh, so I can, I can, uh, like watch the fights and film myself doing that or something. Dan, do you have any words of advice for
0: Keith that might help him get through those 20 tacos? <laughs> uh,
1: well, first of all, I, you know, I, I think we we agreed pre before that 20 was a bit much, so. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd be willing to knock it down to 15 if he feels that's not doable, but either, I mean, way, no, either no, way, no, no, that's okay. Okay. Well then you're definitely going to need this advice then, because if this was going to happen to me, um, we didn't say anything, you know, speaking of performance enhancing drugs, right. We didn't say anything about performance enhancing <laughs> drugs. And, uh, let's just say if there's something small that you can eat to make you very hungry, do that first. Or something okay. you can do to make you very hungry. I don't know. What you're just saying. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not. Just stay away, kids. Don't so, do, don't you, do he,
0: drugs. let me let me see if I can interpret that. <laughs> to uh, I think what he's saying is go train at your nearest tenth planet, and that should really do the trick to make you. Oh man! I don't know. Have some munchies of some sort, and I think science will
2: take care of itself there. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I uh, I might have to. I mean, I, I have a pretty <laughs> tonight, though, so who knows. Um, yeah, I'm supposed to be like cutting weight right now too, so this is gonna be great. This will be perfect. Oh no, <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, it's I, okay. I, thought you, I don't care. You're taking a break. You just did two competitions in a weekend, man. What are you doing next? Um, yeah, but uh, well, Raph, um, Mike Wilson, uh, he's doing a 145 tournament, so um, I'm gonna be cutting for that. But it's okay. That's like a away so we're okay
0: yeah i i tried to do my best as a moderator to always be fair to people and make sure whenever kevin gets a bet against him that it doesn't make him functionally (laughs) stupid or kill him (laughs) and here when keith's the one suggesting it my initial thought was please don't kill dad tom because that would really hurt us here at the show if we were the cause of death like beloved MMA personality, Dan Tom dies because of dumb podcast. I don't think that would go well for us, but, uh, you know, it it is what it is. Keith, I know we got to get you on out of here, but before we do, I just wanted to ask if you had any departing words to Dan Tom, uh, the person that you competed hard with
2: in this game of over under Kevin. Uh, no, I hope we can. And, uh, yeah, I, I downloaded a, a bunch of your podcasts and um I've been enjoying listening to them. So um yeah, um, it's cool, cool, cool to have met you.
1: Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that too. I know we're not supposed to be nice to each other, but uh definitely oh, hit me up, man, anytime so you're okay. in Vegas. And uh, you know, I'm I'm not gonna do anything nice, but feel free to still send me, I believe it was your uncle's uh clothing company or oh, whatever yeah. you, you were oh, trying okay, to promote. Cool.
2: No, I will. Thank you, man. Got you, brother. Appreciate it.
0: Well, Keith, I want to thank you again. Like I mentioned, if this is probably your fifth time, I think it is.
1: Mm-mm.
0: Yep, it has to be because you've done over under before, over under there, and you've done at least one episode doing ADCC analysis, if not two episodes before that. So yeah, you become a five-timer here at the Verbal Tap. That that means that you are solidified here forever and ever in the echelon of Verbal Tap history, kids. So very proud of you. Very pleased to see you pick up a win over the weekend. And I'm already looking forward to seeing you. I may potentially be commentating that one. So we'll see uh, over on the December 5th. So if we are, maybe I'll say nicer things about you than I did on the last one.
2: <laughs> Sounds good. All righty. All right, Thanks man, me. Keith
0: Kikorian, everybody, much appreciation to the young man. We'll see you later, bud. See ya. All right. Now that he's out of here, let's talk shit about him. <laughs> oh Jesus. <geez. laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I was I meant to bring this one up, but I'll ask you because you were his opponent on this one. Bobby Knuckles does win again. Was it because of Keith? Did Keith have a role in this? Did he find a way to get Bobby Knuckles the win here, sir?
1: Dude, if he did as bad as like you, you're saying that he did in the picks, maybe you know, maybe there was a a mush effect, you know, like uh, like like a Bronx tail, you know, Keith was over there waving the tickets that were just not cashing. <laughs> um, I don't know, I don't know, but man, that that was pretty bad. And yeah, I mean, you know, even though I would like to give my man Bobby Knuckles cred for outclassing here, but hey, man, Cannonier broke his arm with like the first kick in there, so there was definitely some bad luck of foot, right? Yeah, I was wondering about that one too because. When I saw that
0: happen, I knew that he was a little fucked up. But then I also realized the bulk of his strategy was to try and attack that lead leg of Bobby Knuckles. And when that strategy faltered because Bobby Knuckles was connecting with the face about a hundred and some odd times, I thought, oh my God, get him out of there, abort. And uh, you know, it was a great night for him. I guess the question that obviously comes up next is, do you want to see him fight for the title again? Is that where we're at now? Because I know we mentioned this, this is title implications, but people were trying to find their way into this dance. And I think even as uh, late as this week, you had uh, a volunteer offering to step forward and try and take on uh Bobby Knuckles in a contender to the contender bout.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. That's why I'm like tempered my excitement. I'm a big Bobby Knuckles fan. And, um, I've never officially picked against him as an analyst, believe it or not. I think he's the Max Holloway was one of the few guys you could say that as well, uh, till recently, till he fought Volkanovsky. And, you know, Robert Whitaker is going to get checked off that list if, if he faces Izzy, uh, next, because I don't think I could pick him, you know, seeing how that played out not too long ago. And I love Whitaker. Um, it just could be one of those cases where it's a bad style match. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not liking that I, I, selfishly. I would like, you know, Robert Whitaker to have another fun matchup get another win, make some more money. Uh, he's only 29. There's no need to rush, but it's also unfair to keep him in like a looping taxing, pla- you know, pattern over the proverbial airport, if you will. Here's
0: where my thing came in, and, and this was my exact result. It was from Paulo Costa who chimed in and said, hey, Robert Whitaker, enjoy your end of the year. You deserved. When you come back, we can do amazing fights. My one comment above that on my Instagram just read, nah. Do you feel the
1: same way? I I wouldn't mind that fight. Uh, I I think it would be fun. Um, I'm more of the, you know, I, I would say pit the two nicest guys in the division against each other. Jack Hermanson and Robert Whitaker. Uh, and, and go that route. But uh, I wouldn't mind some Paulo Costa, you know, again, because these guys just fought for the title, right? Let's keep them busy and not have them knock out contenders along the way. Sure, but Bobby Nuggles is like, yo, I want to have a Christmas. I'm
0: ready to fight about March. Uh, what's Izzy up to until then? Uh, Yeah, that doesn't make any sense unless you're going to keep Izzy on ice for that, that long. So I know that Jack is in that realm, but to me, when they did ask Dana White, and he said, yeah, I'm interested in that fucking fight. I'd see that. Let's fucking do that fight. Like, to me, Dana's got the ingredients that he wants for the stew he wants
1: to put together here. I love your Dana White impression, by the way. That's that's great. <laughs> Listen, uh, and yeah, I mean, the, Dana White sounded pretty open to it for whatever you want to read into that, as far as, like, the post-fight con- press conference goes, and, which is weird in general because he never, like – When's the last time did he ever answer a matchmaking question like after it, during a press conference? So that was really weird. Like that was the one where he's like, yeah, "It's fine," like he's, he didn't even put up a fight for it. So that kind of struck me as weird. But yeah, you would think like maybe like for marketability reasons, he looks to put out with Blockwich to help Blockwich's marketability win or lose slash entice Jones to making some type of uh, you know decision. And whatnot. And then that would kind of grant my selfish wishes to keep Bobby Knuckles winning and, uh, you know, that fairy tale alive.
0: I guess that prompts us nicely to another question, which is, all right, we alluded to this when talking about Khabib's absence here. Uh, and I, I'm sure we can circle back to even parts of that that I, I would like to go over. Um, but what do we do
1: with the lightweight division right now? Uh, I know everybody's doing the tournament th- uh, idea, and obviously that's awesome, and obviously it's the one division with enough talent to, like, justify it. You don't have to sell me twice about it, but uh, let's be honest. The UFC w- wouldn't do that, and if they would do it, you know, it is now the best time to really be doing tournaments. You know, even Bellator is probably nervous about, like, their Grand prix, which is awesome idea at heart, but we've seen how long it's taken to th- for those to play out in a, quote-unquote, normal world. Um, In this pandemic era with all these pullouts, I mean, it would just be like you would literally need double the people to participate as alternates. You wouldn't just be needing two or so. Right. Um, So that's really problematic. I think they're just going to do Poirier McGregor, um, whether we agree with it or not, that's kind of the easiest thing to do. And then uh, my guess is they're going to just like they did Pettis and Ferguson at UFC 229. 29. They're going to stack two of the top contenders. My guess is Michael Chandler and someone else either, um, Justin Gaethje or Tony Ferguson. Um, I'm a big Justin Gaethje fan, uh, but I think it should be Tony Ferguson. He's coming off a loss as well. Uh, however, um, the loss isn't as fresh, and you know his body of work is more deserving to be considered in this conversation somewhere. That is Tony Ferguson.
0: Yeah, that's unfortunate. I just feel like the momentum killed Tony Ferguson, so that he's not in this top four consideration just on my radar. Uh, one of my friends put this up. And they said, screw the McGregor-Poirier fight. Make Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gagey for the title. Then make Conor McGregor versus Mike Chandler. Now, those things are appealing to me. A lot. But there was a little bit of magic that happened. If people tuned into that press conference. Because again, we didn't see Khabib after he retired um, in his post-fight with John Anik. And that was very dramatic. And as I mentioned, we'll come back to that in a second. But there is something to be said about the moment that Dana White got a glimmer in his eye. And I don't know if you saw the clip that we did, but we definitely memed it. And here's what we did with it. We took the clip of a reporter asking Dana White, hey, well, now that Khabib's gone, you need a champion. Have you thought about, I don't know, maybe Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor for the title? And we superimposed Vince McMahon having a, a visible orgasm uh, in his head. And we said, well, this is what's going on inside of Dana White's mind. Because you'd see him both lick his lips and try to do the best non-poker telltale I've ever seen a poker player have. Because he does this. What's that again? Say, it, say <laughs> it one more time. And then he's literally scratching his his hand. He's looking around. He goes, yeah, I don't know. Don't ask me anything, which is the best thing I've ever seen him respond to. So I will not be surprised that, yeah, he strikes on the idea of fuck that four-man tournament and then instead comes and says, you mean to tell me we could have 2016 all over again? Oh, fuck, this makes Dana White's Christmas real fucking boner-tastic. So to me, I I caught that thing and I said, that's the funniest response of tonight i don't care what else happens that's gonna make me laugh more than anything does the possibility of poirier and connor though excite you as a fight fan and or analyst
1: uh you know first of all i could totally see that that's a great catch with uh, with dana he's like you know lightweight tournament on this side or all the all the kids that didn't want to fight on this side uh you know you know which ones he's gonna take um I, I will default with a cheap plug here. Uh, I wrote an article on, on um, the improvements on, on McGregor. Everyone was kind of focusing on the weight class because before this whole Nermaga made retirement, it was John Cavanaugh who kind of pitched it out there, but he pitched it for 170. That's what kind of people were focusing on. But like, especially with the, with this opening up, you know, the UFC is going to, you know, make an offer. They can't refuse mm-hmm. um, as far as a weight class and, and putting, you know, uh, the UFC putting gold up for grabs. Come on. Like, uh, you know, rather rather than bending to fighters' negotiations at the table, which one are they going to choose, guys? <laughs> they're going to put another gold, they're going to put another gold belt on the line. It's good for business, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, we can we can we can kick and scream all we want and come up with these matchups, which I I don't hate the one you uh, that four man that you proposed, by the way. But it, 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 the writing's on the wall, kind of like what you said with the Dana White meme. Listen, dude, I I get it, and I totally understand people's pitch for
0: it. I even understand there's two trains of thought here that I think people seem to have. The first is, why does Mike Chandler just get to be inserted in there? I feel like he's got to earn his place. And the second one being, well, Tony's beating was pretty, mm, you know, like it answered some questions. We even still saw some people over the weekend saying, you know what, Khabib and Tony, that's the one that got away. And to you folks, with all due respect, here's what I have to say about that one. I saw all the evidence I needed to see this weekend. If the man who handled one Tony Ferguson got manhandled in a dominant way, I don't know how you can sit there and with good judgment say, I wonder how that would have gone. Mm, Because I know a lot of the times we like to talk about MMA math, but stylistically, even Tony's best odd entries, Eminari roles, crazy reach are very, very low percentage ideas in terms of a fight analysis between a monster that just proved, man, what he does, he's very good at. So we've already gotten to the goat talk, but I want to come back and circle to this because I didn't, I wanted to make sure we used our time with Keith to go
1: over a couple topics, but did his retirement surprise you? Not really. Um, I figured there would have been some kind of long, weird hiatus anyways, because if we we're following that 30, and cartoon narrative, right. Not hating on it, by the way, it was a beautiful cartoon. Um, like it was, you know, it was, like, Oh, well it's gotta be, it's gotta be GSP, you know, and GSP. That's the only person GSP is going to come back for. Uh, and we know how the negotiation works and all that fun stuff, especially with, you know, uh, GSP fights as well. Not, not, not to fully just pick on the UFC, right? Like it's a lot of moving parts here. So um, I wasn't I wasn't expecting to see compete for a long time either either way, and only one more time at that. So it really didn't surprise me too much, and it was touching. Uh, uh, slash um, really kind of made me believe this is one of the few MMA retirements that w- could actually stick.
0: I mean the the whole your mom tells you not to fight anymore, but you want to fulfill your dad's destiny. It's a very compelling narrative, and I, I get it, and I understand it. The thing that I know that I'm sure that you do and many other people do, injuries are not small as they may be because I know that that was part of the other mythologizing that went over over the weekend, which is his toes hurt. I'm like, well, he's fine. I understand that's got to suck. But okay. I think the hard thing for all of us on our side who are fight fans who know what he is capable of. We all say to ourselves, 32 is still too young in that region when you're that dominant and you haven't really been scratched. So it's nice to end on the record, but could we have seen him do more? Absolutely. Would he have the motivation to do it? Mm, Questionable. We're lucky we got this one is according to Dana White. So in in that respect, I do think it will stick. I still wouldn't be surprised. And I thought that was the most surprising thing that GSP was talking about because Ariel Helwani had an interview with him ready to go literally two seconds before anybody finished crying their eyes out to what they saw in front of them. I would tell you this. I knew once I saw his team circling around the gloves, I said, you know what? Good for him. Let him go out. And if he's smart, he doesn't have to say anything anymore, anything like that. The one thing that I do want to bring to people in terms of the goat conversation is this. I don't know how anybody has a different take other than agreeing with GSP. Because all things are apples and oranges. When you have the NBA, you all play the same sport together. There's no divisions in terms of who wins the NBA title. You just win it. That's how we know that team is the best. Here, with all the weight classes and all the different eras, it's very difficult to argue how Anderson Silva's run equates to Anderson Silva today. And I think those are very interesting dynamics that we have to look at. So for me, when GSP says, yeah, you have your moment, and in that moment you're the GOAT, it said, wow, that's the most clairvoyant thing that I think makes sense that also kind of respects Jordan being the GOAT of his era against LeBron of his era. And then I think having that distinguishing title is kind of a a crown that becomes fleeting. So for this era, you can definitely call Khabib, I believe, the best lightweight. And I would be just fine with that. But in terms of where does he stand on all-time greats, not going to two weight divisions, I mean, intentionally, uh, that does mar it a little bit just for my interpretation. I'm going to go to my next question, which is this. How much money would it take to convince you to let Alexander Volkov kick you?
1: That's tough. I'm guessing it's going to be the teep kick to the stomach, right? Because that's a, that's his move, and b, that's not you know too vicious, I suppose. Um, yeah, man. Oh, jeez, I already had hernia surgery. Oh, uh, um, that sucked. It was umbilical too, so it's right at the belly. So like a Volkov kicking me, that's going to up the price at least ten grand. I'll go to. No, not ten grand. What am I kidding? I'll do. It. I'll do it for ten grand though.
0: Ten grand's a good amount. I was like, I'm not gonna let you go for anything less than 10 grand because I care about you and your. <laughs> but I would ask you this. I know we're all trying to get behind Walt Disney Harris, but with Walt Harris in this particular case, it was hard watching that fight because. Listen, dude, I'm not just talking about Alexander Volkov's really terrible Ivan Ooze tattoo that looks like it's melting. I'm also talking about the fact that as I see that man press forward and you really try to root all of your Tinkerbell energy that you used for Bobby Knuckles and do it
1: for this fight, it just wasn't happening. Oh, man. Yeah, this was the one fight I got – the one fight I got wrong all of it because – because – I have a heart, you know, you know, the, the, was it, was it the the, the tin man? Was it the tin man or the scarecrow? I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, it it was, it was too much. It was not, it was not a Disney ending, uh, Mr. For the Walt Disney Harris, your, your little nickname there. I wish it was, I wish your nickname was true. Um, but, uh, but yeah, man, I hope they give him a step down because, uh, he's had some really tough fights, two of the toughest technical strikers in the division now. So let's get, let's get a wall to win next. Yeah. UFC least yeah let's let's at least rally behind that one let's go down the
0: card a little bit um phil haas tell me your interpretation of 18 seconds of
1: oh well we're done there i mean that's like essentially the summation of my analysis on this on on the on the over under kevin uh that i was just on right uh, i believe i'm like i'm picking phil haas because the other guy has four fights that's all you need to know he's four professional fights and he's on a ufc main card and that's kind of how it played out <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, I also want to give a shout
0: out to Lauren Murphy, whose rear naked choke looked very, very well done. And I mean, talk about calling your shot. I think that if we're talking just on manifest destiny, she did it (laughs) like for her to say the next time you see me in here, I'm fighting for a title. And I think to myself, that's as good as it's going to get. Like to me, there's no more compelling way that says, does she want it? She's literally telling you, I don't want to come back in
1: here until you give me what's mine. Do you think that she gets it? Uh, I hope that she gets it. And I think so. I mean, it's not like they're really striving to find contenders. You know, They're not going to be doing a Nunez Shevchenko anytime soon, right? That would halt it. And I don't think they're going to be in a rush to put an interim for that division. No offense to the ladies let's just be honest right if valentina did go do something else so uh yeah i i don't think there's a there's a big line of people that are really going to be fighting her for it
0: all right further on down uh Magam- or magamid uh cute Lavia, which oh, um man that was that was tough to watch dude that was another one that i just kind of said yeah all right here's what's happening
1: Oh, Dagestani Stipe went to work, huh? Yeah, it was like uh, it's like Stipe Miyochi's evil twin who like comes up through Team Ahmad and is just like <laughs> ready to do damage. Like that guy's scary, man. Um, you know, I'm biased toward them southpaws as well. And yeah, man, the old uh, the old cute levia couldn't uh, you know I couldn't find that Greco, couldn't find that Greco skills that he keeps putting in his profiles. I don't I don't know, man. I'm gonna ask you about this. The
0: tie of looking for a shoey after it's all said and done to me you know do you yell at him and say read the room like this is not the era to be doing a shooey my friend
1: uh yeah i mean not just the era but you know how about the uh uae right um i mean i don't know if the, the, it's like strict alcohol like you know like you know my, my colleague over there like uh john morgan he he, he he's made himself a regular at the bar uh, over there in the hotel where they're all staying. And even there they get looks for drinking. You know what I'm saying? Like, so tied to like trying to find, and there's like, wasn't a drop of alcohol in the whole arena. Like you imagine him like being like, I was a good boy. I came in light. I'm ready to fuck it up. Where is it? Where is it? Well, uh, uh, You know, it's like, there probably wasn't even pizza there. He's probably he was probably like Matt, you know, he probably had to wait for the, wait for the shuttle to get back to the hotel. Poor guy. That's not a bad impression yourself. So good for
0: you. I just knew that when I saw him bully Stroop up against the cage and it's one of the times that the skyscraper works very much against him, but dude did that crumble. And just with a second left to go in that round, all the more impressive uh, for that. I want to talk about this next fight, which here's why I like this. So I went to go train in the morning before I watched these fights and I'm glad that I did because it gave me the opportunity to watch the Casey Kenny fight versus Nathaniel Wood, which by the way, you predicted would be fight of the night surprise. It was, but knowing the result and watching it two days later, I grew to appreciate just that fight for being that fight. And there's something very nice about releasing myself of trying to score it because it doesn't matter. One, when you do watch it live but it especially doesn't matter when you already know the result and you can toss out that the window and then you can look at just the fight for what it is and i was so spectacularly happy to witness that as just a fan and i just wanted to say that as an appreciation that if you don't do that regularly because i know we all score things live time when we watch it Ah. yeah 49 punches to 48 with a little bit of octagon control. This was just great to look at and say, I know who won, or at least they're saying who won, and I don't care. I I watched what I watched, and I watched an amazing fight, and sure, Casey Kenny, why not? So why did you pick that as the fight you predicted to be the fight of the night? And did you feel satisfied knowing
1: what you saw? It it was tough because I I picked it to be the fight of the night, but I was also betting on Casey Kenny. So that ruined that whole perspective thing you were talking about, (laughs) which is important, folks. It's really important. Whether you (laughs) bet or not, you need to, like, step away and just enjoy the art Um, to the point where I actually missed some technical stuff that I tweeted about a couple days later because, to your point, uh, Raph, I was just so invested. Uh, But, yeah, I I thought it was going to be the fight of the night, uh, I suppose, just because of the scrappiness and the way they're – the way their styles played out, uh, we saw Kenny having more of a trend to to uh, fight standing up. And even though I did feel that he was a superior wrestler and ground fighter, um, which you could argue did ultimately win him the fight in the judges' eyes, because really it could have gone either way. Again, there, it sounds cliche, but that truly was a fight where it's like there were no losers there. I don't know why we keep going back to Dana White, but you know it is what it is. Um, but yeah, it was it was really a great fight, and and, and it did play out that way. You know, I was sweating it a bit, but when you go back to look at it with those eyes, there was like brilliant things that was going on uh, with the fight, like uh, Casey Kenny hitting the outside leg kick from the southpaw stance. You mentioned Jared Cannonier do it, and someone on my Twitter timeline said, J- you, you, you never throw the outside leg kick with the open stance without building towards something, without setting something up. And Cannoneer never did that, but you saw Casey Kenny set stuff up off his kicks, and it was just a beautiful evolution, a beautiful fight from Nathaniel Wood as well. Yeah, just, just
0: an amazing all around fight. I just, I was so happy I watched it after the fact. I was chill with it. Uh, when I saw the result, I didn't have any issues or qualms about it. But I guess that begs the question Did you have any qualms or any kind of expectations about Daon Jung and one Sam Alvey when it did go to a draw?
1: Yeah, you know, um, I didn't have qualms with the draw. I do think that people were com- uh, complaining about the commentary, which, you know, Everyone complains all the time. I like the commentators. It's a very tough job, Um, you know, and, uh, you know, they're they're not meant to score. Uh, But, yes, I do believe they're focusing a bit more on the shots that Alvi was landing and not seeing what Jung was landing. And that can happen, especially if you're countering mid-exchange. That gets missed. Unfortunately, it gets missed by the judges as well. Uh, So when the fight went and ended, essentially, I'm like, this is a perfect fight, like almost like Moreno-Askarov, where it's like you could literally make a case for a draw this guy winning, or that guy winning. Uh, And we saw that. We saw exactly three different scorecards, hence the split draw. And I guess it didn't surprise me because when looking to place bets, even though I did pick a a wild fight to bet on in Kenny and Casey, I stayed away from the big minus 300 favorite in Da and Jung. You know, if this was the usual suspects and all the big favorites are lining up, you're trying to figure out which one's going to crack. I had a feeling Jung might have been one of those guys.
0: Yep. Well, I mean, hey, man, I – I feel like that's something that when I saw it again, I didn't have as much issue with it after the fact. I go, yeah, that seems about right. I'm I'm good with that. I do want to give just a couple shout outs. Uh, Shafkat Ramamov with his amazing guillotine over Alex Oliveira, who looked both befuddled for a split second and then just kind of accepted his fate. Like, fuck, I cannot believe I let that happen. Understandable. Got caught that night. Very rare to see arm bars get a finish, but that's how we started the night with Joel Alvarez and then Miranda Maverick, who was also, uh, you know, I mean, dude, there's something to be said about her too. It's very nice to see her progression all the way around. We were talking about how Keith knows her more from the grappling side. A lot of our friends know her more from the grappling side, and yet she put on a very, very impressive performance out that way as well.
1: Yeah, man, especially coming back from a surgery involving your eyes and like choosing, like, yeah, this will be my striking performance. Like, that says a lot. So I guess my question overall is,
0: let's take Khabib out of the equation. Who impressed
1: you the most at UFC 254, sir? That is tough man. Uh, I, I would probably have to I would probably have to say uh, even though I, I love me some Robert Whitaker that didn't surprise me. so I'll go with the uh, I'll go with Casey Kenny um uh, even though again, I want to give credit to Nathaniel Wood as well. Um, but again Casey Kenny shows that he can kick really really well in his fight before makes this crazy insane turnaround with like a couple weeks. um no time to get better, no time to really camp. And then shows an even like better phase of his game and building offset kicks. Like usually that's the criticism of the active fighters when you're trying to cowboy Saroni it, you're not giving yourself enough time to improve your skills. So for him to win and do those crazy turnarounds and improve, I mean that's crazy, man. That guy deserves a break. Absolutely. Well, I just wanted to ask
0: you as well. Now that we've talked about who impressed you the most. I guess the thing that really makes me excited to talk about is what are you most excited about in a world post UFC two fifty four?
1: I mean, the easy, the easy answer there is, is, uh, you know, seeing Robert Whitaker face Israel. No, I'm just kidding. No, uh, the, the openness, uh, again, at the lightweight division, it's always been crazy. Um, you know, I would like to see some, some stability. That's the whole history of the division. It really hasn't had that. So maybe I shouldn't be excited or celebrating this, but, Man, um, it wouldn't. It's not the first lightweight great legacy to end in Abu Dhabi, so it, it kind of makes sense from my my weird history is skewed view. Uh, so I'm happy uh, in this case to see it opened up. We've got a lot of great fighters and a fighter we didn't mention. By the way, this is a jujitsu podcast. How do we not mention Dubronx Bronx Oliveira? I mean, I'm glad they're giving my guy Chandler, who I'm biased for, by the way, some love. But like, usually the UFC, like the treatment is, we're going to give you a dangerous guy like Du Bronx to figure out where you're at, to see if you're really UFC level first. So I I hope he gets some love somewhere, Bronx.
0: You know, I just remembered I had two last prompts for you and I already showed one of them, but I do want to say Uriah Hall had some thoughts today that he released. And he's saying that Izzy is choosing
1: easier opponents. Your thoughts on that. Man, I don't know. I, I I haven't seen it in context, so I don't want to give Uriah Hall any other reason to hate the media as he quoted and repeated that he hates the media. Um, so I don't want to add to that fire. But like, yeah, um, I don't agree with that. Uh, if he wants to talk politics and he's not happy with that, like, that's fine. Perhaps I guarantee it was one of those things where he was trying to get something else out. And then he says it a different way, which we all do. But, you know, fighters do especially, especially the ones that don't like the media, because that means they probably don't have a lot of practice with speaking. And then when they get in front of it, it doesn't really go well, like we've been seeing. Right. And then what's going to happen is we're going to make these headlines and it's going to make him hate us anymore. It's a divisive world. It's a divisive world, Raph. Uh, I I get you. But for him to say as a
0: solified single quotation israel adesanya is looking for easy fights now i could understand if you want to do the respectful out of context to context sort of scenario but then following up with i said it which you know you can hate the media all you want but to literally gift wrap them A clickbait invitation uh, (laughs) little prize is like looking at it and saying, well, I hate the media, but man, look at what they did. They prepackaged this one for you. I I do like to often say this as a, a recurring theme, which is sometimes you get the media you pay for. So a lot of people like to always put blame on the media without themselves looking inward. And I think that this is one of those cases where I look at Uriah Hall and I say, man, he's got a straight career. It's had ups and it's had downs. And I could understand that. Could he be potentially jealous of it? Sure. Does he hate us so much that he might say something just awkward? Sure. Does he say something that's just almost so unfortunate that you go, listen, bro, um, I don't know how to tell you this, man, but this is coming off like John Jones salty when we just need you to kind of like, kick Anderson Silva in the face and take his spirit and his soul. And we don't have to see him fight anymore because, you know, it's kind of what we're looking for here because we just really don't want a boring decision fight on this one. So that's likely as well, which brings us to our last question, which is, is this really Anderson Silva's last fight this weekend?
1: I feel like we're seeing this one change. Like I've seen it change like three times today as far as his quotes go. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he fights again just because it's Anderson Silva and just because it's MMA. But it is interesting that he had two fights left on his contract and came to some type of agreement with the UFC for this to be his last fight. So, you know, um, I'm really hoping we don't see – I do not need to see the bare-knuckle FC Anderson Silva. I don't need to see what that looks like. So I'm going to go ahead and answer and imagine into the university, yes, it's his last fight. Please, please.
0: You'd like to think that, but it was the little (laughs) addition of probably, which made me go, oh, no, this can go on forever. And I think (laughs) he was saying he will explore his options. Of course, I think that's all bearing how things turn out for him at the end of this weekend. But if it really is Anderson Silva's last ride, then, man, what a fun ride it has been. And I feel like that is the unfortunate aspect of the GOAT. When you stick around for too long, it feels like people forget What made you exciting? And I have to say this in respect to my interpretation of goat status, which is I never really got that excited about Kapib's fights. He's a dominant champion, but there is an element of how much do you get captivated by his performance? And I would also like to bring this up, which is very simple and unfortunate to some people, which is I know a lot of people hate Conor McGregor and a lot of it super justified cocaine, possibly, Lots of dumb trash talk, but also lots of fun trash talk. Maybe going too far. Absolutely. And also, bus. Having said all that, you don't get a moment like we had Saturday night without a Conor McGregor. And that is the weird part that is tied to Khabib's narrative. Because that man would not have drawn two million pay-per-view buys on his own. He had a dance partner that gave him the notoriety that made every MMA fan have a little bit a little mist in the eyes over the weekend. So I think the hard part that people want to do whenever they say, what is your goat status this weekend? It's reported early reports that they did about 675,000 pay-per-view buys. And that is an impressive number. Is it the same league as what we saw before? No, but it's a very respectable one that does very good business numbers. I would just caution people to understand the business side of it as one part, the emotional side as one part. And from my brain, when you tell me that Anderson Silva is retiring and you think, what a shame it's been these past few years, especially post, let's say Anderson fighting Chris Weidman for the second time. And you think, man, but before then, weren't you excited for every one of those fights? And we're too excited to see him go through the matrix and captivate you in that sort of a way. So as much as we want to write off people like him and BJ Penn, which, again, a different story. I think that that's why GSP's uh, words rang so true to me, which is I said, you know, you can't forget the people who it's built on. Because if you look at somebody like Ronda Rousey and I had people come up to me and they said, oh, dude, she was fighting easy people back in the day. And I go, are you going to say that about Chuck Liddell? You're going to say the people he fought is just trash like the sport evolves. And as the sport evolves, we get better fighters and better moments. We just cannot overlook the contributions that they made. And in that respect, I think Khabib is going to have a very nice legacy. So some last final thoughts from my perspective.
1: No, that's great. And I, I just want to piggyback on that and, and say, yeah, that that is a really a, interesting how he is tied to Conor. I mean, let's not forget. <laughs> One of his biggest performances, Michael Johnson, was his breakout moment, and that was on Connor's undercard, right when he was fighting for the lightweight title. Uh, so, and and again, you got to take those things into context. You know, whether you didn't like Connor or not, you uh, you got excited for his fights. You tuned in, right? And Anderson, you got excited for his because back to my thing, he made himself vulnerable, unlike these other fighters. And same with BJ Penn. BJ Penn even had that quote. He nailed it. He said, I, I, "With a BJ Penn fight, you don't know if you're going to laugh or cheer." Or if I'm gonna make you cry, but there's a always a feeling when I fight, and that was the truth, man. And you gotta bring those things into context. It's so unfair. I hate when people say, Oh, well, this fighter would be from today, would be that fighter from then. Like, what kind of you know, what kind of a flex is that? Like, okay, so and like you know, it, it doesn't take away from what they did. My 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 co-host from a podcast I recorded earlier today, it's not out yet, but uh MMA junkie George, gorgeous George, there was saying. When he when he saw Roberto Duran, like maybe like five years ago, when he was hanging out with Stitch Duran, and he felt like a kid in Christmas, and Stitch introduced him because Stitch the Cut Man knows Roberto, and he didn't think about all those you know uh, losses at his end of his career or Roberto Duran fighting in the early '90s, like greased up, overweight in a speedo. Like, believe me, we chose we cho- we choose not to remember that Duran, uh, and, and and I feel like MMA fans forget that the sport's so young that like. You know, to tarnish these legacies about oh, well, this guy lost after, you know, he had he was a champion, like, oh, so, so someone got old, a human being got old, so now they can't they can't be considered all their accolades are trash. It is the silliest thing, you, you know. And, uh, and yeah, I think people should keep that in context in mind when we talk about yes, Khabib's dominant, he's undefeated, but it doesn't raise the bar. 600,000 is nice, but without that technology and Twitter, BJ Penn was averaging 400K. And, you know, granted, it was the golden era, and he was only, I think, like second tier earner as far as pay per view buys, but it was pretty damn consistent. And compared to, you know, UFC 33, when you've got Carmen Electra, uh, doing like a really bad. Force plug in the audience, you know, for the bantamweight title between uh, what was it? Uh, Freaking Jens Pulver and um, the guy that submitted Matt Hughes a bunch of times. Uh, But like, you know what I'm saying? Then you fast forward UFC 84. You've got Jason Statham going PJ Penn to the camera. You got The Rock going backstage way before he awarded the BMF belt. I mean, people forget about all these things and the people who brought this sport or brought the divisions that we love uh, to life. (laughs) there's one thing I thought of this weekend,
0: it definitely must have been, you know, there's not enough Carmen Electra here. So let's (laughs) let's bring her back in and class this shit up. Remember
1: those days? Remember those days?
0: The children now have no idea. They don't know what a free will in time it was when we were all watching this thing, just (laughs) with scars and band-aids on it all. And I mean, that's why when it looks so slick and they can do these beautiful camera crane shots, I just think to them, Y'all weren't there for the Condom Depot days. Y'all don't even remember half this shit. So anyway. All right. Well, Dan, I'm going to close this on out, but I'm going to give you, as always, an opportunity to plug your stuff. Feel free to tell people where they can find you and uh,
1: what you got coming up, man. Uh, Too kind. Just thanks again for having me on. Just to keep it simple, the only social media I'm really active on is Twitter for the most part. So at DanTomMMA, you can find all my work, all my podcasts, which is the Protecting Neck Podcast. Or if you're a YouTuber, I'd opened up one of those YouTube channels these kids are calling these days, Daniel Tom MMA. You can also find me there. Too kind, Raf. Thank you for having me on again, man. I appreciate you, bro. And like I said, it was a delight to have you and Keith as
0: uh, combatants on this ridiculous format that we love doing. And I'm so glad because, you know, when you're really trying to ask me questions legitimately about how I want you to prepare for this, and I'm telling you, don't. (laughs) I know it's a kiss of death to most people, especially to just trust me a little bit where I go, no, 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 trust me. The less that you do, the better you will feel at the end. The more you try to prepare for Over Under Kevin, the worse you will feel. And I feel like the fact that you did so well here means that you have also punched a ticket to in the future taking on my co-host, in a no holds barred matchup in one of these, because we would love to have you do that because doing it with Keith is fun. And he's nice. I will guarantee you, Kevin will find a way to get
1: under your skin. Oh, I could already hear all the short round jokes from Indiana Jones and so forth coming my way. I'm ready. We
0: we don't really do the racist humor. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Let me put the caveat there. Really?
0: I mean, you know, I'm sure there's some today. Like, dude, I I go back and I listen to all of our own shows and I think, yeah, we didn't really do all that much. And every once in a while you get somebody who will say something like, I thought that was offensive. I was like, really? Us? You think that we're the offensive ones? Okay, sure, whatever you think. But I just like the fact that you're like, hit me with some short round jokes. I was like, bro, I watched those movies and even then I thought, this is weird. Are we (laughs) cool with doing this? And maybe it's because I had a lot of Asian friends growing up where I live. But I know for sure I was like, I know if I go to them, I'm not going to have friends anymore and say that shit. So them's them's my notes. Uh, look at this. <laughs> look at this. It says, oh, man, just got here. We well, have bad news for you. We're wrapping this shit up. But you can go back and listen to it because you can find us at Verbal Tapcast on all of the major platforms. Dan, I'm going to kick you off for a second, but I'll talk to you off air. My thanks to you, sir. Oh, look at that. Look at the emergence of a dog. You can't bring the dog on at the end. What's the dog's name?
1: Brownie. This one's brown. Brownie.
0: Oh, that's adorable. All right. I'm kicking you off now. Peace. All right. So I'll say bye to him off air. But for you guys, I'll give you a nice reminder. Probably when you see us next year on Verbal Tap, I will have my co-host back. He will be back from his little hiatus of going to get married during a time in which we had one of the biggest fights of the year. We miss him. We wish him all the best. Obviously, cheers and toast to him. We also want to say thank you guys for tuning in. We appreciate you. Go find us on all of the major Verbal Tap entities that's verbal tapcast at facebook youtube twitter periscope and instagram yeah i was like we don't have a twitch so i'm not going to plug that one and if you could do us a solid, check out the latest edition of At Grappling Hour. We also do that every single week. We just put up a new episode yesterday. So find that At Grappling Hour on all the major platforms. And for both At Grappling Hour and Verbal Tapcast, do us a solid. Give us a five-star review. You know we love it. You know we appreciate it. Our thanks over again to one no-gi, bjjgear.com Go check them out. Use the promotional code VERBALTAP15 to save 15% off of whatever you do. And we will see you live back this week for some more. Fight companionry with yours truly going live. And my thanks to all of you who tuned in. We got 7,000 people on Facebook over the weekend. That's amazing. That set a new record for us. And I appreciate you guys helping us build that up. It's a lot of fun. We made fun of a lot of dumb and poor people. And uh, we still managed to drink some good beers. That's how drunk I am. I'm going to mess up the word beer at the end of the show. Anyway, that's all I got for you guys today. My name is Rafa Sparza. On behalf of all of us here, including my aforementioned partner, one, Kevin Phillips. We'll see you guys later. Good night and good fight. The number you have dialed has been changed. The new number is, please note, the new number is,